You're listening to Melissa Gearing, the Naked Naturopath. Mel is a qualified naturopath, herbalist, and nutritionist. She can't wait to share her thoughts on all things health and wellness with you. Hi, everybody. You're with the Naked Naturopath today. Um, we've got a really special guest to talk to you about thyroid um, this podcast. Her name is Sonia McNaughton. She specializes in thyroid and female hormones. She's a naturopath and nutritionist. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Mel. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. I love talking about thyroid. Yeah. It's my first <laughs> favorite topic in the whole wide world. I thought when I got requested to talk about thyroid, I thought, who can I talk thyroid with? And you were the first one to pop into my head. <gasps> Thank you. Thyroid, thyroid, thyroid. So my yeah, favorite so topic. <laughs> <laughs> so today I just wanted to give the listeners um, a pretty general overview about thyroid health and disease and the signs and symptoms and what we can kind of expect from testing medication as well because there's a lot of confusion, a lot of opinions and at the moment a little bit of controversy as well in terms of how we treat it medically um, and maybe a lack of general testing. Um, so it would be really cool if you could start by telling us your story because I know that you have a history with thyroid yourself, which has um, you know, kind of caused you to have an interest in it. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I was in Sydney. I was in a senior management position. I had you know, three, over 300 people reporting to me directly and indirectly. And so you know, I, I was loving life, loved my career, loved my partner, loved my life, but I just found myself crying all the time. I found myself in meetings forgetting the simplest things. I forgot everyone's name, you know, the classic walk into a room and I couldn't remember what I was there for Um, and I was suffering with really crushing fatigue. But I was really, I I use the word normalising it, I was normalising it. I was drinking like 10 coffees a day and, you know, yeah, just trying to get through my day. And it happened really slowly over a long couple of years. And at the start, I would go to my GP kind of in my 20s and say, hey, I'm always tired. I'm always sick. I used to get a cold almost every fortnight. Is there something wrong with me? And he just said, no, you've just got a busy life. You know, you've got a stressful job and you're always busy. This is what happens. You know, you're just growing up, you're growing older. And I kind of took that on board. And and in my head, I thought I was getting the, I I put this in air quotes, the suck it up princess speech. (laughs) You know, I was just being a little bit weak or a little bit too soft and, and this was life and I need to get on with it. And so I did. I took that message on board. And it wasn't until about 10 years later that I put on 20 kilos in a couple of months that I kind of went back to the doctor and really was insistent that maybe something was wrong with me because I didn't feel my diet had changed. But I was doing a little bit of less exercise because I was um, traveling a little bit more for my job. And the doctor, again, just dismissed it and said, no, look, this could be dietary related. And uh, And I just had this sense that something wasn't right. You know, I looked at my girlfriends and my friends and no one was crying as much as me. No one seemed to be as depressed as I was. No one was putting on as much weight as me. Everyone seemed to be a little bit more mild in their symptoms. And it ended up with me going to a naturopath and the naturopath did a simple blood test, which I paid for. It was, you know, about a hundred bucks. And I can still remember when he gave me the results and he just said, I don't know how you even get through your day. You know, your thyroid is just so slow and so sluggish. You know, you must be mainlining coffee into your veins and your (laughs) arteries. And I was like, yes. I'm contemplating it, you know. I'm seriously up to 10 or 12 coffees every day just to get through the day. Yeah. 
And then I was put on medication and I thought, wow, you know, I'm finally on medication. I'm going to get better. This weight's just going to drop off me, right? Because that's what we hear about thyroid medication, you know, that people go on meds and they feel so much, you know, more energy, their mood lifts and they lose weight. But for me, that didn't happen. When I was medicated, yes, I felt a little better. Yes, I had a little bit more energy, but the weight just never came off. And that actually drove me to leaving the career that I was in for a long time by this stage to studying naturopathy and nutrition and learning how alongside of the medication that keeps me alive, the natural methods that I put in place, you know, the way that I eat, the way that I move my body, the way that I manage my stress, they're what give me the quality of life you know that lust for life and that joy of living you know I've got that back now so for you it crept up very yeah. slowly and you yeah. have hypo that's right so yeah. I'm hypo thyroid and I always say to my clients hypo with an o and so think slow. yes slow yeah. and low and would, like there are just the base kind of maybe two, but almost three types of thyroid disease, hypothyroidism, hyperthyroidism, so fast. And then I'd kind of put autoimmune in a third category. Yeah, you could. That's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. So break it up for the listeners. Sure. Um, and you're talking about your yourself having hypo. Yeah. And the cause of my hypothyroidism is autoimmune. Yes. So the tricky thing with the autoimmune thyroid disease is for some people, for a lot of us, we actually can swing between fast thyroid or hyper and slow thyroid hypo in the initial stages. You know, so I would have maybe a couple of days where I'd feel really racy mm. and on top of the world and then a couple of days of depression and constipation and sluggishness. And that makes it hard for you to talk about your symptoms because all you know is that you're tired. Yeah. You just don't know if you're tired and depressed or tired and anxious. Yeah. But then after a couple of years, usually that levels out when you have Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, that's the type of autoimmune condition I have, and you just end up being hypo classically. So you can have autoimmune hypothyroidism and an autoimmune hyperthyroidism, yeah. Hashimoto's being what you have. Um, and Graves' disease being an example Perfect. of hyper. Yeah, cool. And both, you would say, creep up on you? No, that's a really good question. Hyperothyroidism and Hashimoto's does tend to creep up. You know, the studies that they've done in the US at Johns Hopkins University find that most people have a Hashimoto's or autoimmune attack going on for about seven to 10 years wow. before they present what their GP yeah. saying, hey, I feel like crap and please can I have some medication? And they're diagnosed with a condition. Mm. Whereas hyper thyroidism, so Graves' disease, seems the onset seems to be quite fast. People only really um, are six months to about a year. That's just a rough number, but it's quite fast. Onset is quite noticeable. You know, you're racy, you're hot, you're anxious, you're still tired, you've still got brain fog, but your symptoms here of heart palpitations, your chest is tightening. And I think because Graves' disease and hyperthyroidism is such a dramatic onset and the symptoms are so dramatic that it, it seems to be, just from what I see in my practice, seems to be diagnosed a little faster. Yeah, okay. So hypo is kind of insidious because a lot of those symptoms, you know, busy people are experiencing every day. So it's that crossover between when does it become 
you know, enough that a doctor takes interest or enough that you go and see a doctor because lots of people just live with these symptoms and don't even know that it could be a thyroid issue. Whereas you're saying that hypothyroidism is more out of the ordinary things. You know, people don't often leave heart palpitations to, um, you know, <laughs> sit and fester. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, you need a, a busy woman. And I'm just going to say woman because actually thyroid disease is far more common in women than men. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a busy woman, she's working, she's got children, she's trying to maintain a relationship, trying to maintain friendships. She thinks being tired and brain foggy is normal, right? Yeah. And so we dismiss it and we minimise it. And... And then, you know, we might hit a, a GP or, or a practitioner or anyone really who goes, oh, yeah, but, you know, you've got a couple of children and they're young and you're working. Yeah. Of course you feel tired. You know, you haven't slept a full night in five years. Yeah. What do you expect? And as women we go, yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh, I've just got to work a bit harder. I've just got to be a bit more, be- you know, a bit better. I've just got to diet a bit like more. I've just got to exercise up. a bit more. Yeah, exactly. I've just got to suck it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get on with it. But if there's an underlying condition, you know, suck it up's not going to work no well yeah i don't know if sucking up ever really does work well said you're feeling yeah high five that yeah (laughs) high five that never does rest recuperation lots of you know food and water all that stuff you know it's just general everyday necessary to keep going when you have even one one child i think you know (laughs) i'm exhausted (laughs) yeah for sure um and you mentioned the coffee i love this because your thyroid is you know the way that we treat thyroid herbally is with adrenal tonics your adrenals are exhausted when you have a thyroid condition so with having all that coffee you would just be draining them more and more and possibly you know feeding that cyclic depression and fatigue and and maybe even impacting the disease further Perfect. Yeah, well said. So, and it's really common to see someone who's hypothyroid as well as hyperthyroid who's fatigued and tired and brain foggy because their thyroid's not working, but also all the lifestyle things they're doing to themselves to try and make themselves feel better is actually making it worse. And so they end up with something that I'm with you, I would call adrenal, you know, exhaustion. They're just quite plain and simple they just burn out and the thing is your thyroid works in concert with your adrenals and also your female hormones so the kind of people that I see in my practice there's a thyroid issue for sure and we fix that you know we really try and optimize their thyroid health then we've got to address their adrenals and get them back from burnout then usually there's some female hormone stuff going on you know in a space of a month they might only have four good days and then they progressively have worse days as they get closer and closer to their period. And so that can be impacting as well. And I often talk about, you know, your thyroid, your adrenals and your female hormones is going in like a Mexican wave, you know. Yeah. One of them stands up and says, hey, I'm not doing so well. And so God bless the adrenals. They come in to try and help you out by pumping out a few stress hormones and they go, all right, I'm here, I'll help. But then adrenal hormones were never really meant to be long-term solutions for us as humans. So then, you know, your female hormones somehow go, oh my God, there's something going on. I don't know what. Thyroid's out. Adrenals are out. Oh. And so they, then they start to go out. And so you get this really nasty cocktail where people just feel miserable. And do you think, or have you seen any kind of research on us as females having thyroid disease more because of those female hormones? <laughs> It's a really great question to ask. 
all we know is that there's more women than men that have this. So it makes sense that somehow it's linked to estrogen. So, yeah, absolutely female hormones are involved Mm. in some way, shape or form. You know, there's always a genetic underlying condition when there's autoimmunity. Mm. So there needs to be a trigger for that. And at the moment, scientists are researching whether that trigger is estrogen or or what it could possibly be. And all we know is it's multifactorial. So there's just lots of different reasons why you can end up with it. And then you can throw the gut in there as well. Absolutely. autoimmune, you're going to come back you know, to the gut. And I always say it's a bit of a chicken and an egg situation in terms of is there leaky gut or poor gut health and then autoimmune that, you know, triggers the genes to, to cause that or is it even the food we're eating? So is it epigenetics that switches those genes on and off and kind of um, creates an autoimmune situation? It's just a cyclic, you know, <laughs> horrible thing that plays into each other, isn't it? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. There's some fascinating research coming out of the US at the moment by a guy called Professor Fasano, and he's finding that the, at the root cause of autoimmunity in general, and these thyroid conditions in the main are autoimmune. So 90% of people with hypothyroidism, slow thyroid in Australia, have an autoimmune condition. Wow. So they're researching at the moment that potentially it's the gut Mm-hmm. that seems to be so much a part of yeah. the autoimmune picture. So I'm with you. So is it gut? Is it female hormones? Yeah. Is it stress? Because even when we say gut, we're really referring to the immune system. Absolutely. Totality, like because all of that immune, all of those immune cells and functioning is, is in the gut. So if you have an autoimmune, so when we say autoimmune, we mean that the body is looking at its own cells as you know, bugs and, and, and an issue kind of thing so that it needs to attack it. Uh, so it's, you know, attacking yourself cells. And that's a misfunction of the immune system, uh, which is based in your gut. So it's just this um, fascinating. Yeah, fascinating, for sure. Uh, but complex, yeah. so complex scenario. Uh, and, we, you know, like we find out more and more about the gut, like naturopathy is always practiced from a philosophy of the gut. Uh, and been ridiculed for it uh, for some time. But now more and more we're seeing research and doctors coming on board and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's really Yeah, nice for sure. It's mainstream now, yeah. right? Well, it's becoming and trendy. Mainstream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so cool. more and more scientific research and popular media. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good. Um, so you've mentioned a bunch of different symptoms. Can we just put them into like some columns for people? So if we look at hypo. I was just telling Sonia before we started that I was listening to something the other day that called hypothyroidism a the slow death. So everything slows down, um, symptoms being... Yeah, great. So your brain slows down, harder for you to remember, harder for you to think. And even one interesting study said reduced ability to do maths, you know, so really just sluggish in the brain. complex problems become difficult to sort out. That's right. Really hard to make a decision, you know, because you can't think through the pros and cons. Then fatigue, you know, waking up tired, even after you've had a beautiful night's sleep with no disturbance, just waking up feeling tired. More so than you should considering what you've done in your day. Um, Weight gain with hypothyroidism. But I always kind of put weight gain a little bit further down the decision tree. I'll tell you why. Because the research shows, and certainly it is proven to me by the kind of clients that I see, that actually the number one thing people see is the brain fog. Mm -hmm. Then it's the fatigue. Then it's the depression. Then it's the constipation. You know, like you said, Mel, everything slows down. For some people, sure, weight gain happens quickly and, and, and it's quite dramatic. 
But actually, it seems to be one of the, the last things that people sort of come to see, to see me. And like my story, most of us, once we stack on a bit of weight, that's what kind of makes which certainly made me sort of sit up and go, hey, I can't ignore this anymore. I'm not just tired and foggy and constipated. I was willing to accept that. I'm now piling on weight like I'm a sumo wrestler in training camp. You know, that's not okay. I'm barely eating anything. So I don't always look at someone um, who hasn't gained weight and go, oh, they couldn't possibly be hypothyroid. No, they're just a little bit possibly earlier in that journey. Yeah, and that could definitely be your body's kind of last-ditch effort to A, tell you, but B, kind of store some nutrients to try and help it to function correctly because it's been lacking for so long. Yeah, beautifully said. And in fact, hypothyroidism, you digest your food really poorly. You have slow and low digestion. You have a low stomach acid. So even though you might be eating high quality nutrients, you're really not getting a lot of food out of it. So you do end up with low iron, low zinc, low selenium. And you're right. What does your body do when it thinks it's starving? it starts to store weight, right? So, yeah, for sure. It's a really nasty double whammy. So that's your hypo or your slow thyroid, also Hashimoto's, so the cause of that. And hyper? Yeah, so Um, hyperthyroidism or Graves' disease. Speed, speed, speed. Yeah. Go, go, go. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So they usually present feeling tired but wired. So there's a lot of anxiety here. And then everything's fast. You know, they're growing hair fast. They're growing fingernails fast. They usually have diarrhea. They're hungry all the time. And you know what really significant? Yeah. (laughs) I often chat to you and think, have we tested her thyroid recently? (laughs) You talk fast. Even the pace difference between you and my you're in my speech like you're a fast talker I'm a very slow talker yeah you know it's a really good example of well, a one hypothyroid talking to a, possibly <laughs> <laughs> we don't know I've purposely slowed my speech for clients and for podcasts and for videos and things like that because I would talk so fast my words would get mumbled together yeah. and you can't even understand what I'm saying and I would listen back and go was that like three words in one you know smooshed together yeah Whereas people are listening to me going, oh, could she just hurry up? Oh, no. <laughs> Where's that dial that speeds me up to 1.3 on the podcast? <laughs> so anyway, so hyperthyroids, they feel hot. You know, often I'll, I'll be talking to a hyperthyroid person and, you know, I'm dressed uh, with a jumper or a shawl. You know, I love a freaking wrap, love a wrap. So I've always got a wrap around my shoulders and I'll be looking at someone with hyperthyroidism and they're sweating yeah. and they're fanning themselves and they're and saying to me, are you kidding me? Yeah. so fast and yeah, churning yeah. and burning yeah it explains yeah. the hunger as well yeah. often they'll walk into my room and the first thing they say is is the aircon on here and i'm like oh interesting wonder what the health of your thyroid, thyroid. <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> wonder what the health of your thyroid's like <laughs> um and we refer to this as a fast death yeah it sounds horrible but because the onset's quite quick. Yeah. And I mean, uh, a hyperthyroid person with Graves' disease that's unmedicated and out of control is a medical emergency. This person is at a high chance of some really significant and nasty things happening to their body. So we want to be on hyperthyroidism quickly. Yeah. And you know, I heard a story yesterday. A friend of mine was telling me about her sister in law who postpartum was anxious, wired, diabetic. Diarrhea mm. and just thought that she was anxious because she was a new mum, ended up getting her thyroid tested and was extremely hyperthyroid. Yeah, wow. And, you know, the medic, the, her very 
excellent medical care was quite concerned for her. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. So really common that your thyroid um, come, will go out of whack after pregnancy as well as um, your gallbladder. Absolutely. Yeah. It's incredibly common. The most popular time that um, we see hyperthyroidism onset is usually postpartum or about 18 months um, around a time of a very stressful event. Um, hypothyroidism, so slow thyroid, most common onset is menopause, so around 45 to 55. But then secondly, postpartum, yeah, so or pregnancy. Mm. So any time of great hormonal disturbance, you see these thyroid um, conditions trigger. Yeah, cool. All right, let's talk a little bit about testing because um, there's a lot of confusion about what tests we actually need when we're looking at the thyroid. What is your basic profile that you want to see from somebody? For me, what I want to see is I want to see comprehensive thyroid testing because when we talk about hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's, that slow thyroid, the onset is so slow. I don't want you to be so far down the destruction of your thyroid tissue that there is no opportunity for you but medication, which is my story. Mm. You know, by the time I was diagnosed, there was barely any thyroid tissue left. I can still remember the endocrinologist who did the ultratown saying, it looks like an old man's double plug a thong. <laughs> I actually didn't know what that meant. I had to go home and research it. Look at the What's a double plugger? Oh. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. Like a really thin, floppy thong with holes in it because yeah. so much destruction had happened in my thyroid tissue. I don't want that to happen for someone. So I want to get, I want to find this condition early in its stage so we actually have some choices. So what I want in terms of comprehensive testing is thyroid stimulating hormone, which is short down to TSH, which is the message between the brain and the thyroid. Now, that's what you will get if you go to see a medical professional and you you present with symptoms that maybe give a clue that there could be a thyroid condition going on. I want to go a little bit further than that. And at the outset, I'd like a T4 and a T3. So there are two types of thyroid hormone, inactive and active thyroid hormone. And that kind of gives me a picture of not just what the brain is telling me, telling the thyroid, which is the TSH, but also what the thyroid is telling the body, and that's the T4 and T3. And then I'd even like to test your immunity. So I want to test your immune system specific to the immune system attacking the thyroid, and that's called a thyroid antibody test. So I do those four, TSH, T4, T3, and a thyroid antibody test. Cool. And if you go to the doctor, you present with some symptoms, you'll definitely get a TSH. You may get a T3, T4. Yeah. And in Australia, we haven't caught on to doing antibodies as a general rule yet. And that's an issue with um, meeting the requirements. Like, so as a patient, you have to meet a certain requirement to get that test. Um, otherwise they're going to question the doctor but you can always pay you can always pay if you want to have that test Um, you can um, do it what is the word voluntarily kind of thing Um, and there are countries who do that test as part of that profile as a you know as a start Um, yeah yeah and look if you pay for someone who's had a long history of depression and weight gain and brain fog and fatigue Seriously, TSH, 
free T3 and free T4. So that means the active portion of those two thyroid hormones, T3 and T4. In Australia, well, where I live, so here, it's about $40 all up. You know, it's not a king's ransom. If you add in the thyroid antibody test, I think they're around 55 to yeah. $60. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that gives us a pretty good picture of what's going on, not just now, but also what's going to happen into the future. Yeah. For hypothyroidism, it gives me an insight into the next seven to 10 and years of your thyroid life. Well, so you exactly. That's exactly yeah. right. So, so the other thing that's important to note is you can present with a normal half profile you know, TSH, for example, and have those autoimmune antibodies, uh, which may not be tested. So it is worth it. Absolutely. And in fact, there's more people out there at the moment with that kind of presentation. So that's that, that has a term and it's called subclinical thyroid, so subclinical hypothyroidism or subclinical hyperthyroidism. And basically what it means is that you have antibodies that for sure are currently attacking your thyroid, but as yet, not enough tissue damage has happened that it impacts on the message from your brain to your thyroid. These are the people that my heart really goes out to because these are the people that at the moment medicine is taking a watch and wait approach. And that just means, you know what, we'll just keep testing you every couple of years and we hope you don't progress to such widespread destruction of the thyroid tissue that you need a medication. And, you know, there's a couple of years where they could be working with their naturopath, they could be working with their herbalist, they could be working with their nutritionist because there is some good quality evidence out there in the scientific world about specific nutrients, specific lifestyle decisions that might be able to have an impact on turning the dial down on that immune tack immune attack on the thyroid yeah definitely and make them feel better you know at the end of the day you're not a lab test right you're actually you're a person that's walking around feeling these symptoms being told oh look yeah for sure something's going on but there's nothing i can do for you now but come back in a couple of years because you know what you'll be really sick then And I kind of say that facetiously because actually I was told that by a specialist. Someone actually used those words to me. You're not sick enough yet for the medication, but you will be in a couple of years. So just pop in and see me every 12 months because soon you'll need medication. So they that's a quote of what I was told. How frustrating. Frustrating. You walk away feeling powerless. Like so there's literally nothing I can do but face the inevitability of being ill. Really incorrect. Absolutely. There's lots you can do to control, you know, your lifestyle and the way you eat and the kind of stress and your coping mechanisms. And natural medicine and complementary medicine is really about preventative medicine. Like, and how can we prevent this from getting worse in, uh, you know, um, the long term? So how can we prevent it getting worse? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think um, five minutes on what you think would be a good diet because there's loads of paleo autoimmune talk at the moment so you've got an autoimmune disease even thyroid paleo talk as well um go paleo and this is meant to be the diet for it the only real research i've seen is hashimoto's and gluten um but what's your take on it what have you read 
It's a controversial topic. Yeah. <laughs> it's a topic I and love I'm you talking a very about. Small <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. And Mel knows how much I love to talk <laughs> about this. So did you know she gave me a limit up front? <laughs> Sonia, five minutes only. Let's get a let's do get it. Get a debrief. Let's get a debrief. Okay, so look, I'm an evidence-based practitioner. What that means is I like to give advice based on the, the known scientific facts as they are and good quality evidence. We've got to say up front, there's really not a lot of good quality evidence on this at all. Even the thought on gluten isn't actually well proven in the scientific research. However, having said that, we know that based on case studies that we see in our practices, that the way you eat has an enormous impact on how you feel when you have a thyroid disorder, whether it's hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism. And I would say the number one rule is please come off gluten. Please, even if there are no gut symptoms. So often people will say, and me myself, I don't have any gut symptoms with gluten, but my goodness, it takes a toll on my health. So number one would be to come off gluten. Number two would be sugar. And the reason why I say sugar is I'm really interested in the impact of the food on your immune system. Because as much as we're using the word thyroid and thyroid disorders, at the end of the day in Australia, 90% of hypothyroidism is caused by your immune system. So actually the best thing we can do is eat for a healthy immune system. And we know that sugar impacts with your white blood cells, so your immune system. So then I kind of encourage people to do it in easy to come to steps. Yeah. So step one, let's let's just get to groups with gluten. <laughs> step two, let's face coming off sugar and what that means and refined foods. Because naturopaths are kind of known for let's go gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, let's, you know, all of yeah. those kind of inflammatory foods that people are eating every day and that's kind of scary for people so if you come at it in steps which is what a good practitioner will do then that's you know that's going to make it really easy for people yeah it's interesting Mel I I, you know I debate this with myself all the time you know I'm a all or nothing kind of gal (laughs) myself but you know it took me to be really honest with you at least eight years to come to grips with the way that I ate for my health and that's a freaking long time to watch a disease progress in your body, mm. whereas I think my learnings now on my own body and also the research as well as just the stories of the people that I meet with, if we just master one chunk of information at a time, yeah. we have way more chance of being a long-lasting yeah, change. Absolutely. So, look, would I like to see people go a diet called autoimmune paleo that's shortened down to AIP? Sure, you know, if you're already paleo, a little sidestep into autoimmune paleo, it's not that hard. But if you're eating, well, I say that, you know, not that hard. It might be you've got to give up a few things that paleo diet likes, you know, like eggs and nuts. But if you're the average Aussie, the average person out there in the Western world, we're eating, you know, wheat bix for breakfast or cereal for breakfast. We're having a sandwich or a Subway roll for lunch. We're having pasta and a sauce for dinner. Going just from that to an autoimmune paleo is an enormous change. And incredibly shocking yeah. for you and your body. Absolutely. And stressful for you and your body. So does, you know, does that weigh up? 
you know, the the benefits of that short term are not going to be great for you. And if you think about it, these people are tired. Yeah. Your number one symptom is you're tired and, and you're and anxious, stressed, depressed, and you're going to take away something that makes them happy. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, oh God, I can't tell you the number of times I'd come home from my work day and my partner would say, you know, what happened in your day? Did you have a good day? And I'd be sitting on the couch eating a biscuit going, you know what, my love? This is the happiest I've been all day. Me and my chocolate. Chip Bicky. Yeah. You've had a gluten free one now. Yeah. <laughs> so asking someone who's tired and depressed yeah. and anxious and brain foggy. Such a big step to Ooh. just jump into that. Yeah. yeah. So face gluten free one, two, Honestly. face sugar free. Yeah. Then let's start to get into what are the specific triggers for your body. And I think that makes it more sustainable for people as well. If you introduce it in steps, if you go, Bam, I'm going to be, you know, this um, paleo, autoimmune paleo tomorrow. I've cleaned out the pantry. You know, the kids are going to do it as well, the whole family. You know, it's it's great. I mean, it's, um, wow. Yeah, hats off you. to you. Seriously, but hats off to you if you can. It really well done. sticks because it's been such a chop and change and, you, you know, you don't get a chance to kind of move through the motions of swapping everything over properly and working out what you do and don't like and there's a lot of work in that. And often it's really expensive too. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah step yeah. by step, it's going to be much, you're much kinder to yourself and it's going to probably stick longer. Yeah. Because you want to send yourself some love through this process. Yeah. You know, getting yeah. a diagnosis is you always a Ill. bit stressful. Yeah. You, you're unwell. Mm. So you definitely need some love and, yeah. Yeah, nurturing and support. Yeah, and, and a rest. lot of us get that through food. Yeah, rest. Definitely. Um, you know, we said that your immune system is in that um, stomach area, so it makes sense that food would immediately you know your immune system is going to immediately respond to that food as well which is a good point that you made i think that's all Woo-hoo! thank you so much thank for you so much for giving us all your time yeah it's so that interesting we can talk on you know hypo and hypo for a whole podcast long oh my god days yeah we talk for days <laughs> on it but thank you so much we appreciate you coming in and giving us your time and my um, pleasure hope to have you on again we'd love to yeah we'll have sonia's details at the, in the show notes as well for you guys Bye-bye. Have a great day. If you like what we do here at The Naked Naturopath, then be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To learn more about Mel and MG Herbs, jump onto mgherbs.com, follow us on Facebook at MG Herbs Australia, and Instagram at MG Herbs Official. Please keep in mind that all advice and opinions on The Naked Naturopath are not individualized. To get the right advice for you, be sure to make a booking with Mel or your health professional. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.